0: Well, good morning and welcome to this edition of TC Energy Talk. I'm Doug Luciani, uh, CEO of Traverse Connect, and I have with me today our uh, usual guests, Tony Anderson, Cherryland Electric, Doug DeYoung with Consumers Energy, and Steve Rawlings with DTE. I almost said Consumers Energy. You guys work so well together, the three of you. It's hard for me to tell one apart from the other. Some of those
1: big guys, they just look alike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you all, you all look the same. Um, today we're talking about net metering. And net metering, I think, is one of those terms that gets bandied about in uh, the media. It certainly gets bandied about in the legislature, the Michigan legislature. And it's a big topic right now in terms of legislation being considered. And I'm not sure very many people really truly understand what net metering is. So Tony, I'm going to ask you to to give a quick overview of what net metering is, and then let's talk about why it's such a hot topic for the legislature.
1: Sure. It's really pretty simple. If you have a windmill or solar panels or both at your home, you're generating some of your own electricity, using it in your home, but you're also connected to the grid. So it's just the difference between what you generate and what you use. It nets out at the end of the day. And if you have uh, a few kilowatt hours of excess generation, then the utility buys that from you, and uh, it's net metering. It's the net difference between what you generate and what you uh, consume.
0: So Doug DeYoung, is that the same thing as net zero, then when we talk about trying to get
2: to net zero? No, net zero is uh, distributed generation on site that helps you gain or goal towards a zero tie to the grid or zero use of the grid but you're still connected to the grid and you're still using that as a resource in case you were able to in in case your distributed power or your system uh, failed and you needed to connect back to the grid for power and have power on site and steve why is this such a hot topic for the legislature right now
3: well it, the the hot part of it is really the rate that people want to be paid for their net metering energy. Very simply, uh if you're if your solar panels producing more electricity than you're using in your home, uh you want to put that back through the meter and back into the utility and the big discussion is about how much you get paid for that. Should you get paid a retail rate or should you get paid a wholesale rate?
2: And so, I think it should be clear that none of us are saying that our, our customers shouldn't be able to participate in renewable programs. We all believe that renewable programs, our customers should be able to participate in. We believe that um, those that have made the investments, we are encouraging the legislators to grandfather those into the current programs that are there, but going forward, there needs to be fairness and a real approach to fairness for those uh, who utilize the grid and are generating power on site.
1: Yeah, I think you gotta go back into the history. Net metering started several years ago, maybe a decade ago, I'm not sure the exact year. But we agreed to pay full cost to retail for any energy to put on the grid at that time uh, as a way to encourage renewables. You know, So I, I think you can make a good argument that the utilities were the first ones to encourage wind generation and solar generation because we agreed to pay a higher price. but as every industry, there's evolution and solar prices have dropped, wind prices have dropped. So maybe we don't need the subsidy anymore, I think, is what this legislation is talking about.
0: It seems like uh, uh, renewable sources of energy that people would use. On, we're, we're talking residential here primarily, aren't we? Yes.
1: We're getting into a little more commercial, but it's primarily
3: residential. Well, and I think um, that's, a, that's a good point, Doug. Yeah. Um, the way our net metering law is now, um, you know, it sets the stage for distributed generation, microgrids, those types of things. Um, so we need to address this problem sooner rather than later. So this is
0: proactive by the legislature, not reactive? Uh,
2: yes, it is proactive. You know, rooftop customers, they use service 24 7 just like everybody else. But they're not, the current system is not allowing them to pay a fair. Um, price for the infrastructure costs that they're, that they're utilizing 24/7. So there is, there is some challenge there in making it fair for all customers moving forward for the generation that they produce and paying them a fair wholesale price for that generation. and then you know, then the retail cost that they use back as the power that they, they purchase to use.
1: When we use the term subsidy in this conversation, we're talking about the difference between full retail price and wholesale price, and that's the question: is should we pay? Mo- if I can buy a product on the on the open market, why should I buy it from you at thirty percent more? It, it's not fair to all my customers.
0: So, the, so it, help help us out here. The the retail price. What's happening currently? So,
3: in at least in our case, in DTE Energy case, um, net metered distributed generation customers are paid the full retail rate for their system generation. As a result, the fixed cost of the electric grid, like the transmission, distribution, the generation, the wires, the poles, the meters, and all of the things involved in supporting and maintaining that, those costs are shifted to the neighbors. Under the current law, net metering in Michigan is capped at 1% of the utility load, and fully subscribed, that would mean about a $6 million annual subsidy paid to non, non-distributed, non not non, a $6 million subsidy paid by the people who are not if distributed you were, generated. If you are fully, we fully subscribed. If we are fully subscribed at 1%. So when we how? talk about a proactive approach here, this is where the... The, this is where the curve is, is going, right? We we have, to, we have to inject some fairness into the price we pay so that the subsidy which was desired in the original uh, induction of these programs mm-hmm. to, to inspire people to do this and so that we could learn about solar technology and other distributed generation check technology, um, that's good, but now uh, if we continue on and if we continue beyond the 1% as some legislators want, um, we could really have a situation uh, where part of the uh, rate, rate base, uh, part of the customer base are subsidizing the other part, and uh, I don't think that's fair.
1: And, and that's what we're trying to get out in front of. A- another issue is when net metering started years ago, it was designed so the solar system or the windmill system shouldn't produce more energy than is used in the home. This present bill, I think it's uh, SB 438, uh, now allows them to produce 110%. So they're setting these uh, new systems up to produce more than they need at their location. So they're now becoming generators that are going out on the grid. And if you're gonna become a generator and produce 110% more than you need at your home, then you're, you're playing in the big boy world and you should get the wholesale price, and that's fair to everybody. So, so that that's a big change too. That hundred to ten percent that people are forgetting about.
0: If if I'm if I have a solar if I have solar panels on my rooftop, and I'm generating home uh, electricity, does that does do, would this electricity have to go to you first at wholesale price for me, and then I'd have to buy back a hundred percent of what I use at retail price, or do I just have to sell? the excess at wholesale
1: today you're to sell in the excess you would have to sell the excess at wholesale but under this legislation uh lansing is proposing that you buy 100% of what you use from the utility and pay full cost to retail and then you put 100% of what you generate out on the grid at wholesale i think that's wrong i think you sh- the the homeowner ought to be allowed to use the energy within his home and then the excess is what we should be talking about. The, the net is what we need to be talking about. But it seems like...
3: Well, and I think the reason that, the, that there are some legislators talking about that concept is that now that we've had um, some experience with solar, we're finding that large-scale solar is really the most cost-effective option. Um, small-scale rooftop solar is the most expensive option when we talk about solar. Uh, If we're going to invest wisely into renewable energy uh, in Michigan, and one of those items is solar, perhaps we need to focus exclusively on um, large-scale
2: solar arrays where they're more cost-effective. Which is what consumers is looking at. We just announced this fall that we're going to generate 10 megawatts in uh, several different solar gardens. In those solar gardens, our customers will be able to buy into – those, um, into those panels at, at a, at a a price. We're still working on the price and the, the, uh, the, the infrastructure and all of that cost to go with it, but they would be able to buy in like a community solar program, our customers across the entire state into that system and really look at, uh, generating at a 10 megawatt level versus, you know, small kilowatt level. Uh, on a rooftop so that's i think that's where this why this legislation is being generated i think that's where they're looking down the road is to make sure as steve and tony have both said there's fairness for all the customers um, some customers are in the woods and they don't really have access to the sun so they're not you know they're not going to be able to put solar on their their house so it make it fair so they understand that they're not you know, paying for someone else to be able to have solar on their house. Yeah, devil's
1: advocate a little bit. I didn't hear the answer to my issue of why can't the person who can, who does have sun on their home, put solar panels on their home, why can't he produce that energy and use it in his home? Why does he have to sell 100% of it to the grid? You know, for the last decade, we've been allowing them to use it in their home and then we've been buying the net out. But this legislation changes that, and I don't understand why it wants to change that. I don't think either one of you have really answered that for me. Why do we want to prevent them from um, – they can save uh, $0.11 cents a kilowatt hour at our place by producing energy and using it internally. We've always incentivized them to do that. This legislation takes that away. Yeah, I think, um, I think
3: again, it's more about um, a, a where we could end up in the future if – uh, you know, if 50 or 60% of the load uh, were doing that, uh, we'd be completely imbalanced. Uh, and as we talk about uh, new distributed distributed generation technology and uh, microgrids, which, you know, could really change the landscape of Michigan's energy production in the next 10 years, um, we could be talking about a large, a very large percentage of generation coming from individuals, regionals, Um, So we need to fix this so that everybody's paying the fair share for the availability of the wires, pulls, distribution generation. This sounds
0: like uh, a lot like the early years of the cell phone um, usage that the the, the new cell phone companies that came online were using the old infrastructure that had been invested by the telephone company and were able to sell at a lower price. But... um, the people that invested in, let me clarify a couple of things. First of all, when we're talking about this net metering, it's not. Is it just for renewable energy sources, or would it be if, if uh, let's say, NMC built a, a, a three tur- gas three turbine natural gas power plant on uh, its campus and decided it was going to generate power and power its whole campus? Um, is that would they be? Con- in I would consider hope? that the same thing. Yeah, distributed. Yeah, we're, we're talking about net metering. Yeah, just so this n- isn't just me- to go after the renewable energy portfolio. It's it, this is how energy gets to the consumer in Michigan. Correct, net- but
1: ninety-nine percent of what we're talking about is renewables right now because that's what people are putting on their homes.
2: Right, net metering allows any distributed generative customer to receive credit for the energy they produce. That's the current Michigan plan, and so what you just described would be a net metering um, situation, and it would fall under this legislation moving forward as they set net metering policy here at the state level. So so in the early part of the, this century,
0: uh, the, the the idea of investments in, in renewable energy were a promise of new companies in Michigan, new jobs in Michigan, a, a new economy. And we have seen a, a lot of... Small businesses that have have risen up and that provide uh, that either produce solar panels or windmill parts, or they install them, or they do different things with them. When you when you start talking about major uh, uh, solar farms and 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 large scale solar versus uh, residential solar, are there do do you? Put the Michigan renewable energy industry at risk? Well, I I
3: think we need to back up a little bit. Um, if the goal is to have renewable energy to reduce um, CO two emissions, then the goal should be to do it in the most economically uh, viable fashion, the most efficiently, er, the most efficient, the most um, and the most economical. And again. As we're seeing investment in this space, the large scale is really where the economies um, make more sense. They make less sense on the very, very small scale. That's what we're finding uh, through this recent period. Um, For example, uh, DTE, we have about $50 million of investment in solar. We have 22 farms that produce about 10 megawatts of power. Uh, And we're, um, you know, we're searching for more areas to do that. But what we've found is the cost to do those particular projects um, are about 60% of the cost of what it would require to do it on individual rooftops um, in individual homes. So as a community, as a region, do we want to pay people to do this on their homes for a premium? Or do we want to do it uh, on a larger scale and, and be economically responsible about it?
0: Well, Tony, okay. talk about the, the Sun Alliance a little bit. You've, you've had a little bit of experience with the community, community solar. solar. We
1: were two and a half years beyond that project. And we were able to get a decent price because any time you buy in bulk, that's what can happen you know we got a price of less than $500 a panel that's what consumers is trying to do with their project we're trying to do a bigger project with Wolverine maybe next year so we can drive the price down and, and what Steve's talking about is exactly right it's it's just an evolution we saw it in our history you know if you go back 50 60 years ago we all had distributed generation we had a a gas plant or a diesel plant in Traverse City. We had one out in the country. We had generators all over the place until we grew and became more and more efficient. The grid we have today in the country is just a matter of the country's growth and becoming more efficient over time. There's a reason we don't have a generator on every main street in the country anymore is because it wasn't efficient. And we're seeing that on a small scale in the solar industry now is big scale is cheaper and small rooftop scale is more expensive and we're at kind of a crossroads of sh- how much should we support the small inefficient stuff before we move on to
0: the bigger stuff. So so if I understand this right, if if, if we're talking about, let's talk about renewables. And, and right now, if I put in a re- renewable energy source, I would be able to produce the energy that I need and sell the energy that I don't use at the retail rate
3: actually right now it's a little more than retail and what, what do you pay uh, consumers
2: I don't know the exact but I know it's more a little more than retail
0: and I would be able to get a tax subsidy uh, our tax incentive mm-hmm. there's a federal tax credit to, to do that I think it gets reduced next year so next year that the the tax incentive is reduced or eventually goes away and my net metering uh, has changed i i'm I'm getting less i'm 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 having to sell my energy for a wholesale price and buy it back at the retail so i'm paying more for my energy and i'm not getting my tax incentive wouldn't the impact of this be to really uh, kill the renewable industry in michigan
3: well i think um it i think two things one the the federal tax credit is an issue that we're not going to solve here I it will probably be uh, remanded back to Congress for another reauthorization I I I doubt highly that that's but check with your your local tax attorney Uh, but beyond that the 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 issue I think really is about being fair to the folks and the industry and if we are developing a system where the true cost of the power is reflective of what people are paying, then the innovation can happen where it needs to happen. And I say that because if, if people are selling the power back to the grid for a wholesale rate, then I think you'll see more investment and more innovation in battery technology. Uh, people are going to look for a way to store the power rather than sending it to market. Um, if they're getting a premium for the power they send to the market, they have no incentive to look for better ways to store it. So, I think there's uh, price signals here that have to be—they um, have to be true, they have to be accurate, and we have to be careful that we don't create or over-subsidize in a fashion that stifles innovation
1: and you've also got a product whose price has dropped i've heard nothing different from every solar installer is solar energy solar panels are cheaper than they've ever been so if, if you've got a product whose price has continually declined i'd ask the question why does it need the same subsidy as it was given 10 years ago the price is now cheaper it should be mature enough and i'm going to go back to evolution again it should have evolved to the point where it needs less subsidy and that's the crossroads I'm, I think we're at. Is
2: right. It's it's a matter of making it fair, and it's a matter of laying out the the future as the price comes down, and as as others invest in, it just needs to to be that fixed fairer price for all of our customers across the board.
3: There's also some, some policy. Um, there's some there's some policy things here to to. To learn from if we look at Germany uh, they they're ahead of the curve on us in terms of net metering experience and uh, what they found is that the 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 subsidies that they ended up paying as uh, a community started to overwhelm the rate base and it increased the rates for everybody Uh, and the result was uh, not good for the solar industry so the, we need to be cautious and we need to look at those examples across the pond um, and, and make sure we don't fall in those same traps.
1: And, and we're nowhere close to the subsidies that Germany had. Germany went crazy with subsidies, and and we're not even close to that in the United States. So I think we're, well, we're, we're way far.
3: Now, that, that said, I, I also think it's probably real fair for um, the legislature to consider grandfathering folks that have— already invested several thousands of dollars under uh, work plans and, and rate schedules that were developed and approved that Consumers has and DTE has. Um, their projects are based on numbers that uh, you know were legitimately given to them, and I think it would be unfair to take that away from them. So perhaps the legislature can find a way to grandfather uh, those folks in, but going forward, we need to be much more fair about
2: it. And we encourage the legislators to grandfather in the existing customers as well. Um, it just, it's, it, it, they set up under that model, so they, they should be grandfathered into that model. But again, as Steve said, and even as Tony said it multiple times, this, the, it's changed. And, you know, there was an incentive years ago to get people in. Now the model has changed, and the model moving forward needs to be one of fairness for everybody who's participating.
1: Yeah, and I would agree with that, too. I, I think people who are currently net metering need to be grandfathered in, and, and I, I just very much think that that's fair.
3: Now, another issue, though, um, that, that we've started to, t- to touch on in this whole policy discussion in the state with regard to distributed generation, and we talk about uh, folks that want to uh, build generation inside the fence or within their property or, or boundary, generate as much power as they can. Maybe they can do it efficiently. Maybe they have a process at their plant or something that, uh, that lends itself to generating its own power and save money. That's all great. But they want the grid and the utilities there in the event that their process is down or in the event that they need more or in the event that um, um, it suddenly becomes uneconomical. For whatever reason maybe the cost of natural gas or something the problem with that is that there is a cost associated to having a meter and a wire and a pole and a distribution system and a transmission system and spinning generating reserves ready at the beckoned call of that customer 24 7 in whatever amount they require there's a cost to have those spinning reserves And all that infrastructure upstream of the meter, ready and waiting, that cost needs to be borne by the people who are expecting to use it. So when you talk about distributed generation and you'd like to produce your own power for 8, 10, 12 hours of the day, remember that you're paying or you should have to pay for the cost of that power being available 24 hours a day.
0: And and that's why we all have an availability charge on every bill. That's really the cost people are paying. Well, that is a great segue into our next uh, uh, energy talk uh, is is that issue you just touched on, Steve. That's, that's going to become a real urban, rural issue for us. Big companies, it is, it, big national companies, it's very in vogue now to say they want to be net zero or they want to have as close to 100% renewable energy as possible. And when we look in our rural communities, those major employers now are uh, oftentimes owned by a large national company that has the resources to build power inside the fence and to go net zero and be its own producer. And so the impact to a municipal customer or to a co-op customer that has a smaller grid than say DTE or consumers can spread that across a larger base, Seems very significant. So we don't have time to touch on, on that today. I, I just want to ask uh, real quick. Um, uh, the last point you made about uh, grandfathering this in is, what's your sense from the legislature on uh, whether that that will be a part of the package or not? Anyone? I don't have any real sense for that. We're member regulated
1: right now and. If the legislature tells us we can't grandfather i'm still going to recommend to my board that we do grandfather the uh so i i'm gonna take a little bit of indifference to the legislature right now
2: we've encouraged them to consider it as part of the legislation and you know uh, testimony continues so we'll see as they continue to uh, shape these bills where that ends up great
0: Quick question, uh, just a, a, a two-word answer, if if you're able to, is what percentage of your current customer base is generating its own power? And what? So, as a percentage, how, how big of a problem would you, or of a problem or opportunity, would you consider this to be? So, for instance, if, um, if I were a, a, a hypothetical producer of energy at the Luciani power company I've got uh 800 customers and two of them are generating their own power so that's a very small issue for me right now and I'd be more worried about it going forward uh are you comfortable answering that Tony start with you yeah I don't know the percentage is very minute
1: I have 39 net metering customers today I've got 10 in the queue um uh, our concern is about the growth and, and the growth of the subsidy. My concern isn't about the percentage I have today. It, it, it really boils down to a fairness issue and the fact that I think the solar industry has evolved to the point where it needs less subsidy. Uh,
2: Doug? Our, our enrolled capacity is only at about 5% of the cap, which is that 1%. So it's a small...
0: 5% of 1%? <laughs> okay yeah it's
2: a small number right now the capacity is five percent so but again it's the fairness moving forward and it's really looking at making sure that all of our customers are engaged in a fairness program Uh,
3: we have similar numbers Uh, it's it's a very small with respect to the larger scheme Uh, we're more concerned about uh, uh, capping the overall distributed generation Uh, amount that can happen on the system. Uh, Just for the reasons I talked about, there's, there's more economies of scale at the larger level than there is a smaller.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, my friends. It's nice talking to you again. And until next time.